0: This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeart Radio app.
1: I was off yesterday, so it was a three-day weekend. It was beautiful, sixty degrees. Had a couple of pilsners on my back porch. Played some basketball. And I binge-watched all of Ozark on Netflix. As in, I started with episode one, the pilot, and wrapped it all up yesterday prior to watching my West Virginia Mountaineers lose to TCU. We'll get to TCU. But Ozark was the basis of some paranoia for me last night. You see, I called 911 twice this weekend. Twice. Which is only one more time than I've done in my entire life prior to this weekend. The first time was fairly grim, but we can make it entertaining. I'll tell you what happened at 440. The second time, I blame completely and totally on Ozark. You see, here's the thing. I'm a paranoid guy, as it is. Anytime I answer the door, we don't have a peephole, I bring a knife. It's the kind of guy I am. Whenever I take a leak and I get home, I pull back the shower curtain to see if anyone's in there and going to jump me. I look under my bed prior to going to sleep. I make sure that my wife has all the doors locked at all times, even if we're home. So, yeah, I'm kind of a paranoid guy. But after watching Ozark, I was even more paranoid. So my wife last night pulls into the driveway, and she gives me a call. She's frantic. Somewhat hysterical, in fact. She's always paranoid, too. Uh, she doesn't fall far from my tree. She says I got followed home. I live on an alley, so no one ever, ever drives down the alley at all, at any point, except for us to get to our house. And occasionally our neighbor, even though they must own like 15 other properties because they're never freaking home. So my wife pulls in the driveway, calls me, she's frantic. There's a car behind her that didn't pull into the driveway, but pulled close to the driveway and stopped right when she pulled in. I freaked out. I grabbed the same knife that I always grab whenever I answer the door, and I said, Do not get out of the car. I'll be right out. She said, I'm going to follow them. If they leave, I'm going to follow them. I said, Don't follow someone who's following you. And my wife's tiny. She's pretty. She's very kidnappable. She's like five foot one and three quarters. In fact, it's exactly how big she is. So I thought, Oh my God, someone got obsessed with her at work. They're going to follow her to our house, hoping she lives alone. They're going to snatch her, and they're going to make her a dungeon wife. I was terrified. So I sprint out my door with this knife down the alleyway. The second that I open the door, the car speeds off. So I sprint down the alley with this long-ass steak knife that I'm prepared to do all kinds of damage with. The car then turns left out of the alley through a bank and wraps up back towards our house but in front of our house. I sprint into the front yard. I was amped up. I was ready to confront this vehicle. The car then speeds off past the house after what I thought was them looking at our address. It's 60 degrees. I'm terrified. I'm sweating. My wife was about to follow the car. I told her not to. You don't want to follow someone who's following you, especially without me, because then you are going to get kidnapped. And again, dungeon wife. That's not what I'm looking for. So I call 911, and I tell my wife, Leanna, call your mom. We're staying at their house tonight. We're not staying here. I don't know if these people are coming back. I don't know what you did. Did you cut them off? Were they driving aggressively? These are all the things that the operators are asking me from 911. I'm flipped out. I'm shaking. She's shaking. I had just made stuffed peppers. I never cooked anything, but since I was off all day, I made stuffed peppers, and they smelled delicious and wound up eventually being delicious, but... My God, I didn't want to waste these damn stuffed peppers. But I had to. Because I thought that my wife was under attack. She calls her mom. Mom, can we stay with you tonight? Yeah, what is it? She thinks we're in a fight or something. Someone was just following me home. The cops are coming. They're on their way right now. And she goes, Leanna, do you think that Did you think that someone followed you down the alley? Lana goes, yes. Did you know that it was me? It was my damn mother-in-law that I called 911 on. The cops show up. They come to the door. And I had to explain to them how stupid me and my wife were. Uh? Although I think getting my mother-in-law arrested might not have been the worst thing you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Whoops. They're fighting with each other. I don't think they're happy with one another right now, because my wife called her and yelled at her, but in a joking fashion. And my mother-in-law, well, she felt bad because she thought that it was all her fault, according to my wife, and really, let's be honest here, that's not on her. You can drive down an alley. I should not have called 911. As I mentioned, though, that was the second time this weekend I called 911 at 440, I'll tell you about the other time, and it has a profound impact on this show. I did watch the AFC and NFC Championship games on Sunday, which is just the best weekend of football season long, I think. Started drinking at 3. Stopped drinking around 10. Started crying into my beer after the New England Patriots beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that's neither here nor there. I've decided who I'm rooting for, though. And not that you so much care, but if you're on the fence, let me try to push you in one direction over the other. You're probably not going to like this, peeps. Snowflakes, my brethren, but I'm rooting for the Patriots. Philadelphia. No, I'm not. I'm sorry, Joe. I don't want to let you down. Sorry, Charlie Day. It's not stupid, Tom. Don't shake your head. Don't make that face. Don't mouth to yourself. It's stupid. It's not. Here's why. The Eagles would finally have some bragging rights in the state. You don't want them to be good. Oh, I know. They got one Super Bowl, but they'll never let us live that down. That's their thing. That they don't shut the hell up. They're the worst. Eagles fans are the worst. Philadelphia fans are the worst, and I tweeted out the other day, right after Philadelphia won, that I don't mind Eagles fans. I don't mind the Eagles themselves. I hate the Flyers. And then it hit me. It didn't take long, after I hit send, to realize that uh, those Eagles fans, they are Flyers fans. So F them. F their chances. Their thing is being annoying. Their thing is being brash when they've got nothing to be brash about. We hear all the time, oh, the Eagles are great. Going to school at WVU, there were people from New Jersey all over the damn place. I'm sure that was the same thing at Pitt. I'm sure that's the same thing with a lot of universities in the area. New Jersey people, Philadelphia people, everywhere. And they're like cockroaches. They crawl all over the place. They're obnoxious. They're disgusting. And they don't even have a reason to be obnoxious. If they were to beat the New England Patriots, that would give them a reason to be obnoxious. Imagine if they were able to do something in their second chance when the Steelers haven't been able to do it in however many chances. Uh, Steelers failed in 2001 in the AFC Championship game, in 2004, in 2016. The Steelers would have in all likelihood failed this year. In fact, they already did the first time they played them. The Steelers lose to the Patriots. It's just something that happens. And if Philadelphia were able to win a Super Bowl to gain some bragging rights, to create being that, to continue to be that obnoxious fan base they are, but even more so, then that would be incredibly frustrating. The Eagles, eh, I don't so much mind them. The team itself is likable. Nick Foles, that's a hell of a story. But, there's a chance that if the Eagles win this championship, then they propel themselves to become that next dynasty. Not to say they're going to be the Patriots, because nobody is or ever will be What the Patriots have been. But if they win with Nick freaking Foles, what do you think they're gonna do with Carson Wentz? If they win with Nick Foles, you gotta figure that Carson Wentz is gonna be able to carry them to at least another one or however many. Philly's got their stuff. They've got that stupid crack bell. It was the Capitol. They got the Declaration of Independence. They got Rocky. Our thing is football. That's what Pittsburgh has, football. Don't give them our thing. Don't let them be good at sports, too. The Eagles could become the next dynasty. They just got to the Super Bowl with this awful quarterback. And they return 20-22 starters next year. They'll have a damn good chance. Don't let that happen. I know who I'm pulling for. Tom Brady and then Pat's. Your thoughts, 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Plus, the Patriots are already the Kings. Steelers fans are all worried about the Patriots matching us in rings. And, guys, spoiler alert. The Patriots are already a better franchise than the Steelers. Ask anybody. Everybody thinks that. One more championship to... Even the score isn't exactly going to make people think differently. The Patriots have done a lot in the last 16 years. Uh, They've accomplished almost everything the Steelers have in their entire history in the last decade and a half. So, regardless of whether they win this championship or not, I think people still put the New England Patriots ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the franchise hierarchy. So that shouldn't bother you. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Has anyone brought up the fact that Jalen Ramsey said the Jaguars were going to go to the Super Bowl and they were going to win that bitch? Because when they talked smack before, everybody loved it because they quote backed it up. Well, they did until they didn't, obviously, right? Because now they lost. You see, narratives are just that—they're narratives. They don't really have any basis in reality. Because the Patriots won, that's what people are talking about. They're not talking about how the Jaguars lost it. They're talking about how great the Patriots are and how their farts don't stink. Narratives don't mean bleat. The Steelers lost to the Jags because Jacksonville is better than them, period. The Patriots beat Jacksonville because the Patriots are better than Jacksonville, period. It's not because the Jacksonville Jags were overlooking New England and thinking about going on to win that bitch, as Jalen Ramsey said. We don't need to look at these things through narrative glasses. We can look at them analytically. And we can look at them for what really actually happened. The Patriots were better than Jacksonville. And Jacksonville beat the Steelers twice. In fact, they beat the snot out of them two times. So they're better than Pittsburgh. Enough of the narratives. Enough of Pittsburgh talk too much. Enough of Tom Brady's the greatest in everything he does Makes him a better quarterback. Enough of all that. The Patriots are better. Brady's better. The Jags are better. I'm tired of all the nonsense. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I've seen some infighting on Twitter these last couple of days about Jamie Dixon, the head coach of TCU, and whether or not. He did a great job at Pitt, and whether or not he can continue to do a great job at TCU, I think anybody having the discussion is doing so only to further an agenda. Uh, Chris Muller from that station across the street tweeted out, No surprise to see Jamie Dixon's team not play that well when conference play starts. Mike Vukov, uh, whatever, from KDK, or used to be with KDK, now from Pittsburgh Sports Now, he... Has been very critical of Jamie Dixon. And they've kind of been laughing at what's happened to Jamie Dixon in conference play. I find that something that's laughable. Jamie Dixon is on the verge of taking TCU to the tournament for the first time since 1990 freaking 8. Jamie Dixon took Pitt to the NCAA tournament in 11 of 13 seasons. You know how many times Pitt was at the NCAA tournament the last 30 years before that? 11. Jamie Dixon's a hell of a coach. TCU's in much better hands now than they've ever been before. Jamie Dixon just beat the first top 10 team at home in that building in its history. Jamie Dixon knows what he's doing. Don't be salty because your coach doesn't. 412-922-2874. Up next, Will Graves from the Associated Press to hit on all of the topics of the day. I do have a question of you, though, out there. You ever called 911 when you didn't need to? You ever accidentally call nine one one? Because I got multiple stories of me being a dumbass. The good one coming up at four forty. Again, Will Graves, Associated Press, coming up next. It's the Crowley Show. People already will concede that they are a more impressive franchise than Pittsburgh, given what they've accomplished in sixteen years, as opposed to what the Steelers have accomplished in their entire existence. Because of that, I'm rooting for Philadelphia not to get an opportunity to talk more smack than they already do when they are obnoxious about nothing. Uh, at least they'll have a reason to be obnoxious, and I don't like that. I'm rooting for the Pats.
0: I, I do think there's something to be said for witnessing greatness while it's happening, even if you don't love it. Like, like, I, wasn't a, like I was a Jordan guy until they got really good. And then by like the time the second three P came around, I was sort of over them, you know. Um, But I always sort of respected that. Oh my God, this is the greatest player that we've ever seen, right? At least that I've ever seen. And so I think, you know, like watching the game. So I'm down. I'm laying in the basement. I'm quarantined. I've got a hundred and two degree fever. I got the game on. I'm in like this drug induced haze. And when he completed the third and eighteen, they're down ten, right? Ball game was over when they completed the third and eighteen. I texted my buddies. I was like, the game is over. You know, because you just knew. So, I mean, I, I and maybe if they win, they'll stop. You know, I mean, maybe if you're a Steelers fan, maybe if they win, Brady will just be like, all right, I'm, just, I'm bored. I'm going to go do something else. And he'll come back at 50 and try to do it again, which might be part of the TV-12 playbook.
1: I've been rooting for Alabama uh, as well, as long as they're going to be in the national championship game. And with all respect to our number one listener, Braden, out there, who's a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan, uh, I root for Bama because I do like to say that I've been around for greatness. Uh, whenever you talk to, whenever I at least talk to my parents or uh, you talk to your grandparents, they tell you all about the seventy Steelers, and then they tell you about uh, what the 49ers were able to do, and these great dynasties, and the Oilers, and things of that nature, and I'd love to be able to say that we've seen the best of all time, and the Patriots, for as much as I really do despise them, I also like to see greatness, and I'm curious to see how many they can rack up, I I really am. Uh, The most impressive thing to me is they go to the damn AFC Championship game every single freaking year Uh, are they a better franchise than pittsburgh uh, ever Uh, i mean i
0: know i mean they were but you know how do the Steelers line line up against the packers in that right i mean when you look at a franchise that's got almost 100 or 90 years of history versus one that's got 50 years and they were pretty crappy for the first you know 35 of them i mean it's they had one. They made it to the one Super Bowl where they got lucky, got a hot streak in the playoffs, and got crushed by the Bears. Had done nothing before that, you know. I mean, they've had the best run. I mean, I think it's certainly you can call it the best dynasty, but the best franchise in NFL history. I mean, we're talking one owner and one coach and one quarterback. That is not a franchise. That is an era. That is not a franchise.
1: It's tough for me to kind of separate the two, though, Will, because the Forty ers are considered one of the best of all time, but they had their success. In that short period of time the Steelers had most of their success in the 70s uh,
0: when you uh, wait a minute wait a minute most of their success in the last, in this millennium have they won like they haven't had a losing they've had one losing record and uh, and won two Super Bowls in yeah right but all
1: of it all of it pales in comparison to what the Patriots have done over that same period of
0: time yeah but so does everybody else I mean sure but, and, and comparing but, to perfection we're, isn't we're, okay, exactly we're, fair we're, I understand that' point. what the Patriots did in the 70s versus what the Steelers did in the 70s I mean, no, it's, uh, I it's. I think that's. I think that's fair.
1: I think that's fair. Well, but yes, it is a different time, and that's what I'm factoring into this because I think it's a hell of a lot harder to win now than it was back then, and they've won more now than any team has ever won in arguably the hardest time it's ever been to win. Uh, that to me carries weight, and uh, if you stack up everything that they've done and just look at the numbers, and you don't exactly look at when the numbers occurred, to me, they're the best.
0: Mm. Mm. Nah. nah, you're you fevered. Know, I, you're fevered. Nah. You obviously don't know what you're talking about obviously. You know, I'm big on this. Like, everybody calls everybody the GOAT. Why don't we just call it, like, the greatest of this time instead of the greatest of... Why don't we have to... Why does everything have to be the GOAT? My God, I saw somebody Juju was, like, uh, in Hawaii doing something the other day where he was, like, going down a zip line, and somebody was like, the GOAT better than A.B. And I was like, (laughs) just shut up, people. I mean, I know, like, you're kidding. I mean, but come on. Like, just... Like, this is good. I don't know why everything has to be the best all the time. Like, just it's good. Just enjoy it. It's okay.
1: Yeah, okay, so I think I'm I, I think I'm certainly a victim here of recency bias to an extent, certainly, but I mean have you ever seen anything like what they've done? I mean not
0: like not like this I suppose scenario. Jordan just, Jordan I guess. Jordan the Bulls maybe. Yeah, but they I mean I, I'm I don't even remember when how long has the NBA had a salary cap. I mean I don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, what the, what the Spurs did with Tim Duncan and Pop, I mean, 5-17 and 17 in, a, in a similar type of league where the seasons are longer, there are fewer players, so if one of these players gets hurt, you're sort of screwed. I mean, the one year the, the Patriots didn't have Brady, they didn't make the playoffs, although they made Metcalf a ton of money that year. You know, so it's, it's certainly the most impressive run in the, in the, I guess, the modern era of NFL football. Um, but I don't know. When you compare it to other sports, I mean the, the Yankees dynasties of the of the fifties. I mean, again, that's a different time. The Celtics certainly of the sixties, where they really won nine out of ten and thirteen out of fourteen or something. But it was a different time, so I, it's really great, and it's impossible, and it pisses people off. So it's good for the sport. Although I was kind of rooting for Jacksonville, you know, Minnesota, because that is after the year the league has is had. Isn't that sort of a game everybody deserves? Is Jacksonville in Minnesota. It's been a blah year for the league. The league is in a bad spot. Viewership is down. Interest is down. I mean, I think people are starting. I'm not saying football is over, you know, but I'm certainly, you know, if, if this, they write up in the sunset with record ratings to watch Brady win his sixth or whatever the hell it is, you know, is that really a, a fair assessment of, you know, where the league is at? And I think we can all agree the league is not In the in the best spot right now, so I'll agree. I was rooting for the Jags. Uh, You know, I I
1: was rooting for the Jags in that I like their swag. I like their I like what they're about. I like the fact that they don't care that their quarterback sucks. Uh, I I like all that about them. Once the Patriots made their magic happen, I kind of want to see them finish the job. Will Grayson, the Associated Press, joining me here on the Crowley Show. I think you nailed a lot of things there, Will. But I think you certainly nailed that. Well, football's not done, but perhaps if the entire country or at least 100 million people had to watch Nick Foles versus Case Keenum, that, well, I think maybe football would have been done at that point, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you on the, on the Jag. Like, they did not care. They had zero Fs to give until, again, you know, it, 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 I look like, at the end of the first half.
1: Oh, that was awful. Know, they,
0: they, they handed them a touchdown. They handed them a touchdown at the end of the first half. And that's just, you can't, it, the Patriots better than anybody. Better than even, I can't believe I'm going to say this, as good as Joe Montana. Because Joe Montana, to me, was always the, oh, crap, that guy's got the ball and there's X amount of time left. We're screwed, right? I mean, Brady and look what he did to the Steelers. Steelers controlled that game, should have won that game, dominated that game. Didn't matter. Patriots are a better team for five minutes and one. I mean, that's, that's what they do. They don't try to beat, and it's funny, Steeler fans. The Patriots do not care if they beat you 51 to nothing or 31-30 or 12-10. to they, All they care about is winning. That's why the Steelers fans get all worked up about. It. Well, we only won by this, or we only won by that. Shut up! The Patriots fans do don't call in and complain. Well, we only beat the Jags by four to go to Super Bowl. Shut up! They don't care. They don't Who's, care. Who? Which fans? All fan, they care about who, is winning the game that week their way. That's it. Which fans are
1: worse? Steelers fans, Patriots fans, or Eagles fans?
0: <laughs> Patriots fans are definitely the worst because where, where the hell were they in two thousand one? They were nowhere. Okay, I mean, you know, at least with the Philly. Fans, A, they got actual personality, uh, B, they, they do have, like, years of suffering to sort of draw from, which I think, you know, kind of, if you've got, like, entitled anger, I think that's a good thing. Steeler fans, Pittsburgh fans, are, I mean, I don't know, it's a mixed bag. Because you, you have your Patriots-type fans and your Pens fans, right? Those, that's sort of like the, the equivalency. Then you've also got the Pirates. So, and Boston, excuse me, doesn't have that right now. So, I I don't know. But I would think the most insufferable is definitely the Patriots.
1: I bet you that if you'd ask the other two fan bases that question, they'd probably say Steelers fans are the most insufferable. Probably because they always rub the we got six in your face. And I think Patriots fans will be just as insufferable when that happens. And they might be the worst to me, though, Will, because – they always cry that the league's out to get them based on what's happened, and then you have others crying the league's out to help them, and Boston fans and New England fans are just beside themselves <laughs> because of all of that. Well, of course that and they've
0: got the racism. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just calling a spade a spade uh, here, Will. Uh, why? Whoa. You gotta keep careful with your metaphors there, Crowley. Careful you sound with your metaphors. You sound
1: awful, by the way. I mean you I mean truly awful. Like I bet you do out on a beach somewhere hitting golf balls.
0: He probably is. He's probably going to call and bump me in five seconds.
1: I can't believe, Will, that we didn't. I I just thought of this in the middle of the conversation. I should have started the interview with Dulac and bumped him off to bring you on. That would be quality radio, but it didn't work out.
0: Oh, well. Always next time.
1: If I'm alive. Last thing (laughs) here for you, yeah, if you do survive, Uh, Sidney Crosby, Tom Brady, are they comparable in your eyes?
0: Mm, In what way? Sid's not an insufferable douche. I mean, Is so. Is Brady? It certainly comes off that way, doesn't he? I mean, like, his persona. Like, I, everybody wanted to be Joe Montana when I was a kid, right? And Joe Montana was a cool dude. had a He, he had a sense of humor about himself. And Brady, there's nothing. There's just nothing with that guy that isn't pre-programmed corporate bullcrap. You know? And it just sucks. Like, there's nothing interesting about him would well, you say that's similar with Crosby, though? I do find Crosby incredible. I guess likely. the way – maybe Sid's delivery seems more sincere and authentic.
1: That's a good point. You
0: know? So uh, that would be – yeah, that would, that would be a major difference there. And I, and I do think Sid is pretty – Sid's pretty selfless. And I think Brady is okay – this may sound like somebody – another sports figure in this town. Brady's sort of okay in making it about him if that's fine with everybody else. So, Will,
1: what's your regimen? What are you going to do to get better?
0: Um, Hopefully, you want you're going the truth. Hopefully, not have to write about the dirty gymnastic doctors uh, anytime soon. And unfortunately, that's still on my plate. So,
1: are you you surprised that that hasn't taken off more than it should? I'm
0: surprised that the Michigan State portion of it hasn't taken off more than it should. Because look, I've been covering this from the Get go. The Indy Star has done some great reporting on this. Uh, You know, the Lansing State Journal, the Orange County Register. I'm sort of popping in when people that are well known mention that they've been abused. And this guy, like, he saw these Olympic athletes three, four times a year. He saw the people at Michigan State every day. Every day for years. And athletes went to their trainers and uh, to their coaches and said, What's up with this dude? And nothing was done. And only now. We've got a hundred plus women coming forward detailing their horrors at the hands of this dude. It's Michigan State being like, "Oh, maybe we kind of screwed up here." So, I imagine what's going to happen in Michigan State in many ways might be more uh, just as ugly as what, from an administrative standpoint, as uh, what happened at Penn State because of the institutional failing by the administration.
1: So, just for anybody out there listening, however many of you there are out there, we did have a three hundred percent ratings increase. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Why in the sweet world will people not report when they hear these things? Uh, no, I'm not talking about women because, uh, that. I mean, look, that's nuanced, and I understand why women would be fearful to come forward with that information. But any administrator who's ever told about anything like this needs to come forward, needs to come forward as soon as possible, and needs to make sure that there is legitimate change. And the fact that it isn't happening or hasn't happened is disgraceful. Thank you. Well, for-
0: I I mean, it's it's a couple of things. The uh, short answer is this guy uh, was a sociopath, and he groomed his enablers as easily as he groomed the people with the women he victimized. And so people thought, hey, this is a great doctor. Look at all this. Look at his resume. Look at all the things that he does. Everybody loves him. And, and you know, in the gymnastics world, look, there are a lot of mean-ass coaches. Just as There are mean gymnastics coaches just as easily as, as there are mean football coaches and mean basketball coaches, and he would be like Mr. Nice Guy. And he was that way with everybody. I mean, he he was a chameleon. This guy, this has got, he's a nitrous remember He initially got arrested for having kitty porn on his computer. Okay? This guy lived, lived a double life, lived it to great extent for 30 years and his day of reckoning is coming. And I'm equal parts uh, heartened by what I see from some of these women that I know personally. I People might not know this. I write about gymnastics for the Olympics, for the AP. I've gone to a couple of games, like, covered in between the olympics i see these women grow up from teenagers to young to young adults and to see them come forward it's like holy cow i imagine if that was my daughter in that situation the flip side is i wonder as media how much do we buy into the narrative of hey you know they're marta Coroli's a badass and they win gold medals and good for them so trust me it's, there's been a whole lot of reckoning going along all for all involved including me and uh Let's hope that the sport and sports, youth culture in general, this isn't just a gymnastics thing, just like the Jerry Sandusky thing was not just a football thing or a Penn State thing. I mean, this is, you look at the Boy Scouts, you look at the Girl Scouts. There have been, look at the Catholic Church. This is anytime you give an adult predator, you know, a wide open, you know, chance to, you know, basically go after victims at will unchecked. This is what you get. It needs the culture needs to change. It's not just about genetics. We've got to do a better job of taking responsibility for the people we're supposed to be responsible for.
1: Thanks so. a lot, Will. That's uh, that's a heavy subject matter, but subject yeah, matter. yeah.
0: Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah,
1: stuff that needs to be discussed. But uh, now, now, <laughs> yeah. I'm, now, now I'm now I'm going go to die. Be, yeah, I'm going to be sad for the next two hours and twenty minutes, in, inevitably when you pass away. Thanks, buddy. Good luck out there. <laughs>
0: Thanks, See
1: you. Will Graves, Associated Press, for the final time in this life. Coming up next. I'll give you a reason to root for Tom Brady. And can we just shut up about James Harrison for a minute? It's a Crowley Show. Coming up at the end of the segment, I'll tell you about the first time that I called 911 this weekend and how smoking actually helped save a life. 412-922-2874 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If you've got any bizarre 911 moments, I want to hear them because I've got another one that I'll get to from my childhood where I was just a freaking dumbass. John tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. My son once got his leg stuck in the spindles on the kitchen chair. First-time parents, we panic. call 911, and the officer slapped some butter on it and got it right out. Embarrassed, to say the least. Here's the question. The officers bring their own butter? they have to provide the butter? Are my tax-paying dollars going to butter for police officers? This I must find out. The cop came by right after I called 911 the first time. Right after I called 911, cop shoots by, searches the area for what wound up being my wife's mom, my mother-in-law. The cop's Drove around in a circle around our block looking for the vehicle that we described and did not recognize because it's so dark in our alley. But then at about 10 o'clock at night, my wife and I were watching some TV. West Virginia was getting their ass kicked in basketball and a knock came to the side of our door. And I go down and I open our side door and there's a cop standing right there just double checking everything's okay. Three hours later, my wife could have been bound and chained by that point first responders more like late responder that's going to get me in trouble never go after the first responders i was a little bit upset with with their uh, tardiness in their actual approach to coming to the house like they drove by a couple of times but they never came to the house until my wife already would have been kidnapped so that was a little bit frustrating anyway 4129222874 Told you that I was going to give you a reason to root for Tom Brady. And here's my reason. Philadelphia. No, stop it, Joe. He is... Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby and Tom Brady are so similar, it's ridiculous. In fact, both are huge Trump supporters. That's a joke. Good one, Crowley. You know, because Crosby didn't go to the... uh, He went to the White House and didn't denounce it, and... Brady actually has a hat in his locker. Anyway, both players care about their sport. Both players care about being the best. Both of them care about the sport more than they care about anything in their personal lives. In fact, I don't think Crosby's had a girlfriend in his entire life. I think he's a virgin. I think he's like Tim Tebow of hockey. It's perceived that both players get help from the league But it's really not the case in either situation. People say all the time Crosby gets all the calls. That's BS. Niskanen, Dubinsky, Steckel, Hedman. They've all used his head as a freaking pinata. He does not get the calls. That's nonsense. And the same thing for Tom Brady. Brady got the tuck rule, but he wasn't Brady then. It wasn't because he was some golden boy quarterback. It wasn't because the league was trying to rig anything. He was a first-year, sixth-round pick. He wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt there. They just made the rule up on the spot. More recently, Brady got suspended for cheating. Before that, the team got in trouble for cheating. So Brady does not get the benefit of the league. And as much as other people like to say the same thing for Sidney Crosby, that Crosby always gets the benefit from the league. That's nonsense. Players who abuse Crosby rarely get suspended. Players who abuse Crosby rarely have the book thrown at them. As for Brady, he's been suspended. As for Brady, the league's not trying to help So they've got that going for him. But they're both also looked at as these pretty boy prissies, and neither of them really is that. Sidney Crosby's as tough a player in the National Hockey League at being around the net and making plays in the dirty areas. Crosby's also as tough as nails when it comes to getting the puck off of him in the corners. Sidney Crosby's a bear. Sidney Crosby's difficult to play against. Sidney Crosby's as good on the defensive side now in his career as he is at creating plays on the other side of the ice. So Crosby's not soft, and Brady's not soft either. When's the only time Brady's missed time in his career? When his ACL was torn. Well, that'll do it. You're not going to play through that. Brady also consistently stands in there and makes throws under pressure. He's tougher than people give him credit for. Sidney Crosby's a lot tougher than people give him credit for. But here's what they've got most in common. They just kick ass and they just win. Sidney Crosby's one of the top five players of all time in the National Hockey League, and Tom Brady is probably the greatest of all time when it comes to the National Football League. Both of them elevate their play at critical moments. Both of them put on displays in the playoffs. Both of them tend to make plays at the end of games when you absolutely need the most. Crosby, they had looked for, uh, commentators had looked for his signature moment and he's given it to them in multiple playoffs now in a row when the Penguins have really needed to step the game up. Sidney Crosby's been as good as it gets. So, they're similar to me. Neither of them ever really says anything all that interesting as much as I dislike Brady, I can't dislike him as much as the general public because every time I look at him, look at him, I think of Sidney Crosby. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Will tweets. <laughs> Will Graves. I apologize to the 300% of your listeners who are now depressed and be convinced that I am patient zero in the next pandemic. Pretty sure Will's going to die. If he dies, could I write for the AP instead of putting up blogs? Probably get paid for that. Can we talk about James Harrison for half a second here? And that's it, though. Just just like half a second, because this guy is getting a lot of credit and doesn't deserve the credit he's getting. He had one sack, one, in the AFC Championship game. His value to the Patriots is being overstated by people who want to be pissed at the Steelers. For better or worse, he does not fit the scheme that the Steelers use. He's not going to drop into coverage. The Steelers were getting sufficient pressure from everyone on the field this year, not, but, except for their outside linebackers, and that's because the outside linebackers were used differently this year than they have been in the past, and James Harris didn't fit the scheme anymore. But here's what bothers me most about the fans out there who are pissed about the Harrison situation. The same people who are saying the Steelers have a problem with discipline are the same people that are pissed about Harrison getting cut. How can that be? Harrison was cut because he was a cancer to the team. But now you want justice for Bell? You think Tomlin's too soft? Well, you can't have it both ways. The people who do want both are looking at what is convenient for their argument and their argument only. So what you'll hear is that James Harrison still has it. That he's a difference maker for the Patriots. Spoiler alert, they win that game with or without Harrison. Those making it a big deal... Those making the sack a big deal are making a bigger deal than it needs to be. The Steelers, in my mind, got this one right. But it just hurts for you to see that. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I called 911 this weekend because I thought Brian LaMartina was dead. You know Brian. He's on the show every day. Not today. Still not feeling well. Thought his ass was dead. No joke. It might be funny now. In fact, it is funny now. Thought he died. Thought he expired. Right in front of me. Let's back up a little bit. We like morale here around the Crowley Show. We're all friends. As much as I make fun of Tom, we love him. As much as I mess with Joe for the drops, we love Joe too. KDO was there. My wife was there. And Brian was there. We were all at... A nice little establishment in Carnegie, Riley's Poorhouse. House. Love it. Good beers, good atmosphere, live music. We got to enjoy none of it. Brian orders the shepherd's pie. Look delicious. It's pie crust, some beef, some cheese, some peas, some onions, and then some mashed potatoes. It's delicious. Caloric, but delicious. Most things that are delicious are are caloric. There's gluttony there. Brian saw that thing on the menu and he's like, "Mm, I can't go full American pie here, so I'm just going to eat this thing. But what I haven't said is that Brian, the two days prior to this, has been very ill. And Brian, as you all know, is a fit guy, but he's fit because I think he's got a crippling eating disorder. Not that eating disorders are funny, but that is how I view Brian. He eats one meal a day, he works out two times a day. He does everything possible to show his abs. So he's not eating. He's working out. He's sick for a couple of days. Who knows what body fluids are coming out of him and when. He may have smoked a little pot. And he comes out to meet us at Riley's poor house. I actually don't know about the pot thing, but I thought it would add some value and character to the story. Brian eats the shepherd's pot. Has himself a Guinness. He orders another one, sets it down, has a sip. He hasn't drinking, drank, drunk, drank, dear God, any water in the last two days. The only thing that's gone into his body that's a liquid that I can speak of, of course, is coffee. He drinks coffee 24-7. From the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed, Brian drinks coffee. So we're at Riley's poorhouse. Brian gets himself a beer, pounds that bitch, walks outside to have a cigarette. Because every now and again, when Brian and I have a beer or two, we like to smoke a cigarette. It's not the best thing for you, but in moderation, it can be fine. Unless you're a kid out there. Don't do it if you're a kid. Smoking's bad. But in this instance, it saved Brian's life. Because I went out there to accompany him because of my terrible nicotine addiction. He sits down, looks me dead in the eye, and says, I don't feel great. I say, ah, is it the, the flu? Brian? Brian? Oh, my God, Brian! His eyes wide open. His chin touching his chest. And his chest not moving at all. I freaked out. I check his pulse. I don't feel anything. I'm a little bit buzzed and an idiot. So, God only knows. I run back inside, scream for everyone to hear. Call 911, call 911. Knowing that it's me, I also add a... I'm not kidding! KDO is there, my wife is there, they both call 911. My wife is certified in CPR, so she runs outside with me. Luckily, an EMT came out with her. He was just there, either drinking or eating. Perhaps he had the shepherd's pie. I was happy he was there, because I did not need my wife putting her lips on Brian, because that would have been the end of the marriage. And, you know, Brian, I don't need him to get that confidence going. The EMT says he's barely breathing. At that moment, Tom's out there. Katie's out there. We're all standing there. Mouth's agape, freaking out. I have tears coming out of my eyes because I think he's dead. His damn eyes are open. He's not breathing. Brian then jolts to life, vomits straight up into the air, onto his sack. And I look over at Tom. Tom who's smiling from ear to ear, I think because of the projectile vomiting, it's just a bleep-eating grin, and Brian reaches for his cigarette to light. Coming up next, the Patriots are better than the Steelers in franchise hierarchy and a lot more. I'll tell you why next. It's Crowley Show.